Hey, everybody. Welcome to another episode of the Legends of Athletics podcast. And you know, you know, you know, I got to keep something fresh for you, something fresh baked, uh, something new, something always, always have to give you some quality content. And today is no different. I have a very special guest with me today. And I know y'all say that when I say I always say a very special guest, but all my guests are very special to me, especially right now with this being a startup and this being um, something that's that's a passion of mine. Um, I met this uh, lady through a friend uh, on social media. I basically put a post out there and you guys helped me uh, make this a reality. And so I want to introduce this person to you guys, this mystery person, uh, Miss Karen Nixon. Um, so, Miss Karen, I'll let you take this time to introduce yourself a little bit to the to the people. Sure. Thanks, Dustin. So my name's Karen Nixon, and I live near Nashville, Tennessee, and I have a master's in social work, and so my jobs over the years have included things, like I've worked at Vanderbilt Psychiatric Hospital as a counselor and therapist. Um, I've been a behavior specialist for school systems. Um, I've also worked in the adoption field, and so that's what I currently Mm -hmm. do, and my interest tends to always gravitate towards children and teens, especially who've experienced trauma and who have had just maybe kind of rough starts in life and Mm -hmm. how to help them and help them overcome some of those things and help them become, you know, productive citizens. Mm -hmm. Um, So kind of what we have discussed and kind of what I talked to you about uh, Ms. Nixon uh, do you want me to call you Miss Nixon? Or do you... Karen is fine. <laughs> All right. I, I just go. And kind of what we talked about was the ACES study. And so with the ACES study, um, I'm sure not everyone is familiar with that. So what um, we'll just I'm jumping right into the meat of this podcast. And so um, what is ACE, the ACE study? And what's to say? What's the ACE study to start with? Okay. So the ACE study has actually been around for quite some time, but it's gotten a lot of attention lately because a lot of researchers um, have realized the importance of the information that comes out of that. So what ACE stands for is it stands for Adverse Childhood Experiences, and it's kind of like a little quick, I don't want to say quiz, but a little quick Mm -hmm. 10 question summary that that anybody can do. Um, that lets you look at somebody's childhood history and then from that get a a zero to a 10 score. And then from those scores, it can be predictors of adult outcomes. So some of the questions, I mean, I can give you a few of the questions just to kind of give you some examples. Yeah, that's, that's fine. Okay. That's fine. So like the first one asked, did a parent or other adult in the household often or very often swear at you, insult you, put you down or humiliate you or act in a way that made you afraid that you might be physically hurt. So you would give yourself a one if that fits for you as a child or a zero. And then, you know, there's ones on here, like did a household member go to prison was a household mm-hmm. member depressed or mentally ill, or did a household member attempt suicide? So people get points for each of those questions. Mm-hmm. And what I find really interesting about it is, you know, you can hear some of those things and think, oh, wow, you know, that's going to 
maybe lead to some negative things in your teen years and maybe early adult, you know, years. But it also shows outcomes for medical issues and medical health. Mm -hmm. So mental health and medical health. So, um, and addiction issues, it, it's just amazing to me that the higher those scores, the higher and the more likely people are to have not only mental health issues, addiction issues, but medical Mm -hmm. issues like heart issues. Um, so it's, it's pretty impactful what our childhood experiences, how, how they impact us mm-hmm. as adults. And that's, and that was one of the things that was very, um, very interesting to me when I was looking at this and I looked at it from a broad perspective um, because, mm-hmm. you know, I don't really, I don't really have the, I guess you say I have the tools, but I don't really have the, uh, the, 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 I guess you could say the tools to look at it uh, in deep detail uh, mm-hmm. like you uh, per se, but um, that was one of the things that was very interesting to me is how the scores correlate with uh, medical I- issues and with uh, mental health issues and uh, those things that from our childhood leak into our adulthood. And uh, adults are, are for the most part, you can tell me uh, your your uh, your opinion on this, but to me, adults are for the most part are reflections of their childhood or the past. Yes, often they are. And so the the thing that the reason there's been so much emphasis on this is that, you know, for people who have some negative childhood experiences, like what Mm -hmm. can we do as the adults who are working with those, you know, could be uh, children or teens or adults that, you know, have had those experiences, like to be able to look at those experiences, see how they impact us. And then like, what can we do moving forward so that we don't repeat cycles and have those same things happen Mm -hmm. over and over again. And so that's why we really want to take a look at that and have people, not just our physicians and counselors, but Mm -hmm. coaches, teachers, all kinds of people be able to look at this and see how that impacts our kids that we're working with. And I, and that's what I would, my next question uh, would be, how does it affect uh, our society's youth and athletes, parents, et cetera, et cetera mm-hmm. uh, with this study? So, so what we want to be able to do is, is have people, like I said, the, that are working with kids, not doesn't have to be, professionals such as you know physicians or counselors Mm -hmm. but are are people I mean really and truly who are working with our kids more on a day-to-day basis our teachers our coaches our mentors um and 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 to be able to see that these kids that we're working with that this this impacts them so you know when this when this ace if they're looking at this a score this score is reflecting if there's been abuse, if there's been neglect, if they've got family members who are depressed or have mental illness or addiction or in prison. Mm-hmm. So being able to look at those factors and realize that the impact those things are having on those kids and like, what can we do to help them? And so, and, and, and to talk to the kids or teens or young adults that we're working with and help them realize that those events have had an impact on them and what can Mm -hmm. we do so that they don't continue to cause detriment to them they don't continue to hurt their you know emotional health their medical Mm -hmm. health all those things um and so i think it's it's like understanding and being aware that, that that this is out there 
using it as a tool. Mm-hmm. It's not going to, you know, solve anything, but use it as a tool to help the kids that we're working with. Yeah. And that's, and that's one of the things that, uh, that, that's so big is us affecting, um, the kids and us working with those kids mm-hmm. because kids naturally are the future and kids, you know, need to be in nurturing homes. And the, the more, um, I know this year alone, and I don't know if it's just been more put more into the forefront or what, but I know that, um, mental health is is being pushed more and more each and every day and so uh knowing the things like the this study and mm-hmm. knowing uh the results from this test like you said it's not a fix all but knowing those things is a great tool to use as a guiding point and as something that can uh that can lead us help lead in the right direction of uh of of creating better adults yes. uh, later in life. Absolutely. And so, I mean, some of the things that I think can come out of this that, that people can use, like, you know, well, we can get this information and, you know, there's, there's studies that even show if, if a person scores, say a four on this, well, mm-hmm. the odds that they are going to be an addict, uh, you know, so addicted to something, the, mm-hmm. the odds go up where i mean just astronomically so i mean i can even even give you some of the stats that i found just amazing. yeah i would love them so so it's common i mean most it's it's pretty common for people to at least score a one on these one out of ten questions and and if anybody wants mm-hmm. to look this up and and do it for themselves you can go on and just look up aces too high and it's aces a-c-e-s T-O-O high and you look that up and you can find the link that just goes to those 10 questions and you can do it for yourself um, but, mm-hmm. but like two thirds of the people you know that take this score at least a one so you know it's it's not uncommon to, to score at least a one on this because you know most, most people mm-hmm. have something that goes on in their life um, that may be difficult to overcome but, but then mm-hmm. from that though um, that we want to also know that that eighty there's eighty seven percent chance if you get a score of one that you that eighty seven percent have two or more. So you know you go on up from there, and then with that you have a greater risk of chronic disease, mental illness, being a not only being being a victim of violence, um, and so that's why it's so important for us to look at this. The other thing is that another, which I thought was fascinating, cholesterol scores are higher, which is so odd to me. Like you, you I just don't think that mm-hmm. even cholesterol scores are higher. So if a person has a score of four, so out of 10, they've scored four, mm-hmm. they are um, twice as likely. Um, well, let's see, let's see. They're twice as likely to be smokers, seven times mm-hmm. more likely to be an alcoholic. Um, and they also have nearly a 400% increased rate of attempted suicide. That's huge. Yeah. And I, that is mm-hmm. huge. Now I was going to ask, um, I was going to ask this mm-hmm. question. So with, with those things, and I think it kind of like when you said the statistics mm-hmm. behind that, it kind of answered some of them for mm-hmm. me, but I would say when you go through these traumatic experiences, do you think that that will put you at uh, at more of a risk to try these things because you're looking for a, some type of coping mechanism? Or do you think that naturally, um, I guess, more stress mm-hmm. 
uh, correlates to having uh, uh, more of a higher chance of, of smoking, a higher chance of drinking, mm-hmm. um, or what have I think you. it's kind of a combination of both, because if you look at it kind of the way you said, it's almost kind of like that nature-nurture kind of thing, of mm-hmm. where, is it com- where is it coming from? Well, you know, if you live in a household where addiction's going on every day and you're seeing it every day, mm-hmm. well, yeah, you've got the genetic component, probably, mm-hmm. but you're also seeing it every day and you're experiencing it every day. And so right. does that put you at a higher risk to be, you know, an addict? Absolutely. So mm-hmm. I think, you know, you've got several different factors going on there. You've got a parent who's got the genetic part and you've, you're, you're experiencing it. So your risk, your risk factors go up greatly. Um, mm-hmm. But I also want people to know, too, that because of this, I mean, it's not, <laughs> I don't want people to think, oh, my gosh, I scored like a five, yeah. two, <laughs> I'm going to die, high blood pressure, I'm going to die, you know, yeah. like, for sure going to have mental illness. That's not, that's uh-huh. not what I want people to get from this. What I want them to get from this is, to understand that you're, you know, you're at more at risk for these things and then find out what you can do to keep yourself, you know, out of, you know, stay away from those risky behaviors that are going to put you, you know, mm-hmm. where you're going to continue this pattern as an adult. And, and would you say that would be to maybe find a different outlet, right. like maybe exercise or writing Absolutely. or some, something mm-hmm. like that uh, to, to cope with whatever the traumatic experience is? If you have that, if you have the knowledge and you have the wherewithal to reach, to get to those resources and do what you need to do yeah. um, for your mental health. Absolutely. I would say. Yeah. So we want to, so we just want people to know, like, fine. So, so if you know, you know, if, if I think, it's pretty common knowledge. People would know, okay, well, if my, if I've got two parents that are addicts, I, I'm mm-hmm. more likely like it's a high chance. So hopefully they realize that and do behaviors that try to keep them from like, you know, where some of us can drink socially <laughs> and it's no big deal. But if you've got two parents mm-hmm. who are alcoholics, risk factors of drinking, yeah. you know, m- may not be worth doing the social drinking because you're more likely to be become an alcoholic so if you if you mm-hmm. know things but it's not just those genetic things if you know you grew up in a house where you were witnessing violence where you had a mm-hmm. parent who went to prison where you have a parent who had mental health issues you know realizing that those things also are risk factors for you and so what what can you do or what can we do as the adults who are working with the kids and the teens to help mm-hmm. them through some of these risk factors. And that, and that takes being um, self-aware yes. as yes. well um, to, to examine yourself and, and know, examine yourself and examine your environment mm-hmm. to know. Um, even as an adult looking back uh, on maybe the way you grew up yep. and, you know, so, some people have the, the saying of that's just the way I am or, <laughs> or this, that, yeah. other. Uh, we are all molded and shaped by our past in some way, shape or form um, to, to do certain things or to not do certain things. Mm-hmm. And so I think that that's, that's very, very uh, pivotal. Um, I have mm-hmm. a, I, I asked another question, like, do you, can individuals overcome high A scores? And I think you, uh, you, you kind of alluded yeah. to this point earlier of what the high A scores mm-hmm. mean. Um, but for somebody who may be questioning themselves, like, can an individual overcome a high score? Yes, absolutely. Uh, and I think 
again, just, just kind of understanding this and, and reflecting back on yourself and looking back at your childhood and realizing that these things do impact you. Um, I, you know, I can give a, a, an example when I first was in a training and learned about this quite a few years ago, um, a good friend that was with me, we were taking the part of what we were doing was we were taking this ACE little, you know, 10 question quiz on ourselves. Mm -hmm. And I kind of had the assumption that she grew up pretty typical, stereotypical, uh, mid middle income, typical Mm -hmm. childhood and didn't realize some of the issues that she had growing up. And so when she did her score, it kind of stood out to her and she, she said, I've been just kind of letting a lot of this stuff stay in, but I've got, when she openly talked about how high her score was and Mm. how, when she looked at it, how much it had impacted her and she had just kind of internalized a lot of that and realized that she needed to be, to talk about it more and how her not talking about it and not discussing it had, had impacted Mm -hmm. her and had impacted her parenting and, and all those kind of things. So Again, mm-hmm. realizing it, not not make, meaning that that means you're going to have some kind of horrible adult, you know, outcome. But life, yeah, yeah. But like, what what can you do about that? What can you do it? What can you do about it so that your kids and your next generation like aren't going to go through those same patterns? If you had those negative mm-hmm. things in your life, like, what are you going to do to make sure your kids don't have to experience those things? And so that's really kind of what we're we're looking at to when we're looking at the ACEs and how we can impact other people when we're working with them. That's it. That's exactly Mm -hmm. true. Um, I mean, and it drives, uh, drives the uh, the next, uh, another question I'm Uh thinking, um, how can, and and I've had, I think I have it wrote down. How can, how can this ACE Mm -hmm. score affect kids learning in school and, and, you know, slash their learning environments? How does it, how could it affect the learning? Well, okay, so what's really interesting about this, and you and I hadn't talked about this before, but it fits really well. So what's been really mm-hmm. interesting is Tennessee just passed a law where they are going to have schools that when they are creating their discipline policies, they have to consider mm-hmm. ACEs. And I I was blown away that Tennessee, first off, that it was Tennessee That's, that was doing it. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I was glad. I was happy that we're being yeah. a, little head, a little head of the game. But. Well, I will say we're, I'm in Mississippi, which ain't uh, far. But it, we'll, yeah. probably, we'll probably be last. I have a lot of friends in Mississippi. I know. I, know, I feel your pain. We, 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 we yeah. I think, have a lot of the same issues as Tennessee and Mississippi that we do. Yeah. So, you know, I was so happy to see that when they're doing discipline policies, they're going to have to think about these things. Because when I worked in the school system, I sat on the board with the kids that had zero tolerance offenses. I had to sit and Mm -hmm. kind of almost, you know, it's not a legal process, but almost be kind of their defense person and sit there with them. Mm -hmm. um, Because I worked in special education, so I worked with the special ed kids who had to go there. Well, my kids that went up there for whatever offense, whether they had brought something to school they weren't supposed to or you know, whatever they had done, I mean, I can mm-hmm. guarantee you that every kid I sat with, their ACEs score would probably have been at least a five, if not higher. And to yeah. think that we're supposed to punish those kids and put them in alternative school or suspend them or whatever we're going to do and just not even consider any of those factors is a, a, 
I looked at it and just that's not that's not that's not fair. I mean, we can't just say mm-hmm. to a 15 year old, "Suck it up and get over it." That your mama is in prison, and you watch mm-hmm. your dad beat your mom every day, and you know your grandma that you're living with now is dealing with you know pill addiction or whatever. You know, I mean, I had kids that mm-hmm. had those lives. And to sit there and act mm-hmm. like that you're just supposed to behave in school and come to school and not cause any problems, mm-hmm. that's not, you know, fair. Now, does it mean that they should just get away with anything? Absolutely not. No. But what mm-hmm. are we going to do to help support those kids who come in? And, you know, when I had a kiddo that I'm working with who can't focus on his math because he watched his mom get the crap beaten out of her the night before. Mm-hmm. And we're expecting mm-hmm. him to sit in class and study for math and don't understand why he's antsy and can't can't focus. That's yeah, and that's know? and then that's where you get um like some of the diagnosis mm-hmm. for ADHD Absolutely. or uh, things like that. And I mean, I, I I was fortunate to have the experience of working uh, within the school system mm-hmm. for uh, for about a year or so um, before moving mm-hmm. on and. Like, I can completely understand what you're saying mm-hmm. um, with some of these kids because, I mean, even as an adult, we know um, being married, whether you're married or not in a relationship, uh, mostly everybody's been in a relationship mm-hmm. or had family problems before. And you know that whenever you have something like that going on and you go to work, it's hard for you to focus on your right. work. And so to take a kid and make, basically put them in a position to be perfection. Mm-hmm then that's that's pretty tough for any kid and i would implore uh many adults out there um that may have a student or a child in uh in certain situations to examine of you know your parenting but also examine like what's going on Mm -hmm. and examine if it makes sense of the punishment that may be uh may be trying to be forced upon the students i'm i am a, a proponent for uh, students having a mediator, mm-hmm. um, someone there to defend them because they can't speak. They don't have their voice right. per se. Um, and like you said, they, I mean, you have to, there are consequences to, to certain actions, mm-hmm. but we do need to examine those consequences as well. Sure. I think about it like uh, here in Mississippi and uh, Tupelo, especially mm-hmm. uh, not Tupelo schools, but uh, some of our County schools, uh, they still have corporal punishment mm-hmm. and, um, that goes for kids that, you know, may be special education mm-hmm. or special needs. And it goes for the uh, non-challenged kids as well. And I feel like uh, when you have that gray area, especially for special needs mm-hmm. kids and special education kids. Um, Absolutely. What are you really, uh, what are you creating? Yeah. That's my, yeah. Like, you, you, know, my, you walk out, you're, you're going like, to, you know, if you have a kid that comes to school and he does something that calls for corporal punishment. That kid who watched his, you know, dad or mama's boyfriend or whoever beat up the mom the night before and walks into school and gets in trouble and gets and gets paddled. I mean, what did you mm-hmm. just show that kid who, you know, came out of a stressful situation? You're going to paddle them. That you basically, yeah. I guess, enforce your power about. Fear. Yeah. Yeah. So. <laughs> You know, I know there's some people that are probably old school people that, that think, you know, bring back the paddle and do all that. But this is why I, I, I in a school system where you don't know a kid's mm-hmm. history and you don't know their background, I, I just I don't see the benefit of it. I don't see how that's going to help a kid. Um, 
Yeah, because if you come from that environment and then you go to the school and you basically put back in that environment, you never right. find a way right, out. Right, right. And I'll tell you one other thing that I found really interesting and I found that I thought was really positive too about this law that passed in Tennessee is that it was, and this is not to get political, but it was it was put forth by a Democratic, I believe she's a senator over in Memphis, mm-hmm. and it was it was pushed through by the governor, who's a Republican. So it doesn't matter which side you're on, and it shouldn't matter which side you're on. Mm-hmm. For something like this, it looks it looked like both parties got together and could actually agree mm-hmm. for once that hey, yeah. <laughs> we need to do something like this is an issue and we need to address it. So I'm hoping that we can see more of that, where both parties, no matter which side you're on, can come together and realize that you know this is an issue. And, and when people start looking at, you know, school shootings, violence, suicide rates, mm-hmm. or uh, the addiction rates, the oh, well, I, I'm assuming you guys have the same opioid stuff going on there. I mean, mm-hmm. our, Opio- our yep. opioid stuff's out of hand. It's crazy here. It's, yeah. So when you look at all that stuff, where's it coming from? It's coming from, I mean, the majority, vast, vast majority of the people that are in those situations are kids or as kids experience trauma. So as a society, mm-hmm. we need to look at that and say, okay, this, this is an issue. Like these are the issues. We've got kids that are experiencing lots of trauma and what can we do so that as adults, they're not, you know, shooting up crowds of people. They're not, you know, yeah, not, and losing not, it. you know, becoming addicts. They're not, you know, doing all those things that we don't want to see in our society. Like, what can we do to help that? And I really do believe it starts with us working with our kids to help like a Mm -hmm. a lot of the societal stuff that we've got going on. Yeah. And I was going to say, and we're talking about the school system and I know, uh, I think you've kind of answered this, but do schools use ACE? Do schools use ACE? um, Is it widely popular yet or is it something that's kind of not building now. not yet i think it's starting to trend because it is even though this is an older study it was done quite a few years ago it, it is now like getting a lot of attention and so it's mm-hmm. really being strongly pushed for i think this is really cool pe- like pediatricians for pediatricians to look at this to so that they can start doing referrals if they have kids that come into their practice that have high a scores well if they've got a high a score then what kind of services might they need to help them you know, through that, mm-hmm. um, it is being talked about more in school. So, like, you know, that's the perfect example. Like, I was really surprised that Tennessee did that, but I was so happy to see it. But I was surprised. So, it's start you're starting to hear about it more in schools. Um, I, it, it's being pushed kind of throughout, like anyone who's working with kids, for them to really look at this and think about how it impacts the kids you work with. So mm-hmm. it is gaining more and more steam. The The one thing I'll add, though, that I think is interesting is, like I said, because this was done so long ago, there's a few of the factors that people look at, like, today's study and realize there's some things that were kind of left off out of this. And so there's even some more kind of additional questions that people are working on to add to it because some of the things that were that they consider that might have been left off were like stressors outside of the house. So when you've got a child mm-hmm. who lives in a violent neighborhood, well, that this mm-hmm. ACE doesn't really discuss that. But if you're, you know, maybe you're in a home that they're doing the best that they can, but you're in a neighborhood where you hear gunshots, you know, every mm-hmm. couple of nights or so, 
that's a stressor. I mean, you can, that, that, that would be that's, that's true. Um, if you if you're living in poverty, if you're dealing with racism, if you're dealing with discrimination, mm-hmm. if you're dealing with isolation, chaotic environment, if you're in an area where you don't have good services, like those are all also probable mm-hmm. things that could add to your ACEs score that doesn't really address. Um, and so then they're going to put they're they're trying to kind of look at ways to kind of add to some of those things. Um, but for right now, using those one through 10 questions and then maybe eventually they'll get to the point where they can add in, um, you know, some of these other factors that are certainly mm-hmm. that are certainly factors that should be looked at. But at least it's mm-hmm. a starting point and it's a starting point that people can look at and realize, you know, needs to be addressed with our kids. Yeah. And I think that's used actually to, to take into consideration the environment, mm-hmm. uh, the things that can't be controlled, yeah. um, such as finances and mm-hmm. pro- things like that, um, because we can control them with the finances that we make, but everybody doesn't have that. Right. Luxury. So um, when you're a 10 year old I mean, kid, you don't have control over, you know, your mom gets laid off. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. And you never job. know what's going to happen in life. Yep. Yeah, you know, exactly. Yeah, you don't have control over those things. So, it, you know, there's different ways poverty can look or, you know, you're you're you know, living with grandma who's living off a social security check and that's all she can do because mm-hmm. she's disabled and that's what she got to live off of and she's doing the best that she can. But that's still, you know, living in poverty and that's not, you know, that exactly. outcome's probably not going to change because grandma's not going to be able to change, you know, her ability to work and those kind of things. So, yeah, I mean, those are factors that a kid has no control over. Exactly. And I, and uh, I will ask, should, should ACE be, dis- be discussed, mm-hmm. I'm sorry, should ACE be discussed with uh with parents uh should this how how could we spread this so that parents are more aware of um uh, of this study and the effects and maybe how to see signs mm-hmm. that their child may be displaying yeah. um of isolation of depression of mm-hmm. um you know suicidal thought th- things yeah. like that so definitely i think th- this isn't something that like a, a teacher or a coach should like just go over in a corner and like do with some, you know, do get this kid's ACE score and like talk about it among other adults kind of thing. I mean, it's, 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 mm-hmm. it is a conversation that can happen with parents. Um, parents can do this ACE score, you know, regarding their own kids and they might be surprised. Um, again, this isn't a blame factor on parents. There are things that, 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 that are some, like you said, some of the poverty things and, if they're in a, mm-hmm. a violent neighborhood or discrimination, things like that, th- those are things that are out of that, you know, maybe out of that parent's control. So it's not to put a guilt trip on that parent or if one parent had to go to prison and, you know, the other parents doing the best mm-hmm. they can. So it doesn't, it's not meant to shame a parent or anything like that, but just for them to see, okay, like my kid has, you know, a, a score of five. So I need to like, just like take that, like it is what it is. So what can mm-hmm. I do? Because my kid is now more at risk to, you know, be suicidal. My kid is more at risk to have mental health issues. My kid is more at risk to um, have addiction issues. Like, what can mm-hmm. I do? Like, what do I see? Is, is your kid going to do all those things? No, probably not. But like, you, you know, your own kid or kids you're working with where you kind of mm-hmm. see them leaning towards, like, what do you, what path do you see them kind of going down? And then what kind of help can you reach out and get before they get, you know, so far, too far, too yeah. far into it. Mm-hmm. And, and then I will say this too, cause you, could you, would it be a point if an A score was high? And I know you said don't guilt like parents, parents not to guilt trip themselves. And I don't want to make this sound like mm-hmm. a guilt trip, 
But could you, uh, as a parent, with the could the parent um, maybe look into different strategies to discipline a child that has a high high A score? Absolutely. I mean, they need may need to look kind of at themselves, especially if they know that that child's been around a lot of violence and seen a lot of violence. Mm -hmm. Um, Then maybe what did their parent? What did their what does their parenting strategy look like? And a lot of it. I mean, you got to. We all do this. We usually do what what we had done to us when we were kids, what? you know. And mm-hmm. so, if they realize, mm-hmm. you know, my parents maybe they meant well, but you know, they use the belt on me every other day. <laughs> yeah, and yeah, you know, all that did was quite honestly yeah. just really pissed me off. And I, yeah, I, I'm not and gonna made it worse. That, that, that's not <laughs> what I need to do to my kids. That's not what I need to do. Mm-hmm. But tendencies are there. The tendencies are there. And I, it's still. I, 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 I won't go into who it is, but I, someone that's close to me had some childhood, had some a, a pretty rough growing up, and, and has said, like, I have to really fight going back to those tendencies because even though mm-hmm. I know they were wrong and I know it wasn't the right, it's not the right way to do it, it's just, it feels like an instinct. It feels like an instinct to go back to those really harsh ways mm-hmm. of parenting that weren't effective then and aren't going to be effective now but like finding different ways and so to find different ways it may be having to reach out to some other people and finding mm-hmm. you know better ways to parent sometimes that's a hard that's kind of hard to swallow to ask for help but there's lots of mm-hmm. great ways to get some parenting there's some great parenting classes it could even be just finding a good mentor a parent that they see that they feel like's a pretty successful parent that they like their mm-hmm. style of parenting. So maybe it's just as simple as asking, like, hey, can I, you know, sit down and talk to you about some some ways that you deal mm-hmm. with stuff? Like, help, can I just get mm-hmm. some help? I think those are, and, yeah. And you, and you said something that was very important. I think you have to take the things that, you know, that were done to you as a child, mm-hmm. not saying your parents are right or mm-hmm. wrong, but be able to filter those things um, between what was positive and what could be used to better yes. a child and what was just a waste of time. Absolutely. Or like you said. Yeah. And, you know, one of the things I do with families that I work with that I've got when I have parents that are adopting, like one of the questions that we talk with pretty extensively with them is like, how were you parented? Like, wh- how were mm-hmm. you disciplined? What did that discipline look like? Like, what did you think was a good way of discipline? And what did you think was like not a good way or not effective? And so then we talk mm-hmm. about, okay, what, if, if, they're, if they're not already parents, like, wh- what are you going to use? Like, what strategies are you going to use to parent and discipline? Or if they already are parenting, like, what do you use? And, and what, you know, what was not so great about the way your parents parented? And, like, what are you going to take out of how you discipline? Mm-hmm. And, I mean, we can all do that. And, I mean, God help me. My pa- I'm sure my kids are going to do that about me. Look at me, you know? Yeah. <laughs> and that's okay because I can uh, – I can promise you, I haven't done it perfectly. And they, they're going to be able to look back and be like, God, I wish mom would have, you know, done this differently. And, you know, mm-hmm. that's okay. Um, you know, but that's yeah. how we learn. It's, yeah, because nobody's no, perfect. No. Nobody. I'd love to say I am. No, but, no it's you know, perfect. No, not it's, quite. <laughs> no, my, kid, my kids can definitely tell you that. So. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> Uh, so I'll ask this question because this question uh, is uh, near, I ain't going to say near and dear to me, but I know it's very uh, relatable to me, is how can ACE be used to more effectively communicate 
with athletes and amateur athletes. Mm-hmm. Um, I know uh, coaching-wise, um, as far as being a coach, um, I'm trying to think. All right, as far as being a coach, I know that uh, a lot of times yelling is used. Uh, mm-hmm. And when I play football, profanity was used mm-hmm. a lot. And a lot of, uh, I guess you could say, um, very strong yeah. language <laughs> to, to just yeah. paint it broadly with a broad uh-huh. brush was used. Um, so how could ACE be used to more effectively communicate with athletes? So I think if if coaches would be willing to, and I know there are plenty that would be willing to, to, to even just look at the ACEs study, read through mm-hmm. it, understand in this stuff that we're talking about how some of these things affect kids and maybe being a little bit more empathetic with some of the kids they're working with, um, understanding that, you know, some of the background that they come from, they can't change it. It, it is what it is. It's the background they came from, but maybe having a little bit more under, you know, empathy and understanding of what they've come out of. And then also mm-hmm. looking at, okay, I've got a kid who's coming, who's coming out of a really bad home environment is me screaming at them, cussing at them, threatening them, all that. Yeah, that may be what they're used to, but how'd that work out? Like, what did that do for them? You know, it may have made Mm -hmm. that kid a really angry kid, you know, aggressive kid, you know, whatever. Mm -hmm. Or it may have made that kid a really introverted kid that's really depressed and just won't talk about it. It can do lots of different things. Mm -hmm. But, you know, maybe trying some different styles with kids or teenagers or young adults they're working with and seeing if those different styles might be effective. I think just like our parenting strategies, you know, old school coaching, I'm sure there's Mm -hmm. certain parts of it that are great and may still be effective, but just like parenting, old school parenting, looking at it, we should all be willing to look at it and be like, okay, what parts of it are good and what parts of it aren't really effective and what can I do differently? And that's what, and that's what uh, I I had a, podcast a past episode where I talked about different coaching styles Mm -hmm. I think a coach understanding a player Mm -hmm. understanding the kid um would make that a lot better as well um some kids respond well of course to open uh criticism Mm -hmm. um some you have to pull off to the side some you have to praise some you have to challenge um but it it all uh everyone is different Mm -hmm. and so uh, you have to approach e- each one differently and understand what's going on. And I think that's kind of uh, what you were um, explaining mm-hmm. with with what you just said. You know, the old school way, some things are effective, mm-hmm. but, excuse me, some things are effective, but some things are not. And so we have to, again, put that filter on to say what was effective and what wasn't. Um, if something hurts you, I, I'm the type of person, if something hurts you, then it's probably going to hurt somebody else. So right. it's probably no point in doing right. that or following that practice. Absolutely. Um, yeah. But I'll ask this. this is, uh, I think this is the last question for um, this, but how does ACE uh, leak into adulthood? And we kind of talked about it a little bit with uh, um, depression and things mm-hmm. like that. Uh, but what effect does it have um how does it look into adulthood and what effects does it have on adults? So, so one of the biggest findings that, that they found when they did this study is that it, it is a contributor to not just a little, but like most of our major chronic health issues of our mental health issues of our economic health and our social health. 
So when you look at all of that and how these ACEs scores, I mean, it's such strong predictor of those things. Mm-hmm. Like we can't ignore it. We can't just say, oh, you know, pull yourself up by your bootstraps, get over it and, you know, move on. Mm-hmm. That's kind of one of our old, kind of old strategies of just, you know, and- but what else can we do to support them? Like, is that, is that really going to be effective if, if they don't know how to, deal with some of these issues if they've never been given the example then how mm-hmm. are you supposed to just pull yourself up by your bootstraps and get over it um you know and it's funny because i was reading an article today that um i forgot where they where it was but the it's a police mm-hmm. um some police officers are now getting um like mental health yeah. um or seeing psychiatrists and therapists and things like that to to help them get over their mental humps because uh, no matter how you look at it, you know, some of the police officers are here to protect everyone of every race, Mm -hmm. but um, you never know what they're all human as well, and you never know what may have happened traumatically to them as a child Mm -hmm. that produced those results as an adult. And, um, you know, I know they they, uh, they were talking about getting counselors and stuff for them because the way like you were saying of just pull yourself up by the bootstrap mm-hmm. pull it together this and then the other is not the answer for everything right and so um learning how to deal and cope with those things uh is huge yeah. and very important especially uh no matter what field of work you choose to go into um it's it's gonna be very important and, and believe it or not the things that we go through are are going to come back up at some point and you have to deal with those things head mm-hmm. on uh not run around them or beside them or under them or over them but yeah. head on is the way that you have to that, and it. i think your example of the police officers is a great example because let's let's look at our police officers so some of them may have may have high a score so if they do like they need to kind of do a little bit of, like looking back on themselves and think about like how mm-hmm. is this affecting me how is it affecting me in my home life, how is it affecting me in my work life? Are there things about my childhood history that are impacting how I treat other people, deal with other people, that kind of thing? Mm-hmm. But, but let's say they have like a zero or one A score, like they had a pretty good childhood, didn't have a lot of trauma. But even looking at this as a place, then being able to look at this study and not just see like, oh, okay, some people are going to have high scores. What? But looking at the research behind it, because let me just tell you, the research behind it is amazing. I mean, you could look at this stuff for days, like all the different research and how this affects us as adults. So even if they can look at how these things affect <coughs> us and affect mm-hmm. the adults that they are dealing with, again, it doesn't mean that the guy that just you know shot somebody gets to go, but it means mm-hmm. m- maybe looking at a situation when they're walking into a domestic violence situation. Um, and then even like you like you uh, yeah like you alluded to earlier uh to the point of knowing um of possibly adding more questions to this like how did the environment that you grew up in affect Mm -hmm. you you know how did your home life affect you because we know everyone like you're taught your environment teaches you but you also taught a lot of stuff in in the house as well so you never know how the person may be taught to approach another person or uh look at another person this and that whatever so you know, you you, t- you take all all of that into consideration, and you know, like you said, it produces, um, it it has a great potential, and the the uh, even knowing what the research says about aces, it would be great to have on hand as well. And like, if you know all this yes. stuff, it just makes you a better person. It makes you better, uh, 
equipped to deal with different people of different backgrounds, different races, and different uh, financial uh, or different economic statuses, et cetera. Yeah. And so just knowing this and having this on hand is is great. And, um, yeah, I mean, that's 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 what I got on it. I, mean, I don't know if you want to add anything. No, to I, I completely agree. And then if, if you're going to be a person that's going to be – you know, working with kids or teenagers and, or even, or again, even young adults, like what can you do with it? And like knowing your resources in your area. So like, what can you do if you've got a kid that you think, you know, got some mental health issues, what are your resources in your area Mm -hmm. that you can, you know, use for those kids? What, what kind of Mm -hmm. um, things are available if you're at a school or if you're at a college or whatever it is, like what kind of things can you have available for those kids to hook them up with those resources mm-hmm. um, to help to help them overcome some of that, and, and don't be afraid uh, anybody out there to know what the resources mm-hmm. are, but also don't be afraid to utilize those resources. And you don't have to broadcast mm-hmm. them, but if it's a kid that comes to you in confidentiality, then help them in confidentiality. Um, you know, because we want to keep the door open to help. Uh, young adults, young kids, this, that, and the other. And if you are an adult and you feel like, hey, I've looked at this study, I've taken the test, and I feel like I have a high score and I need mm-hmm. some help, don't be afraid to reach out and ask for help because it's going to just make you better in the long run. And it doesn't have, again, that doesn't have to be broadcast, mm-hmm. but, you know, if you need help, seek help and get yes. help. Um, And that, that would be my take Absolutely. on it. Absolutely. Um, I think that's a great take on it. You got anything else you want to add before we go to the next portion? I think I think we've covered it. But like I said, if people want to go look <laughs> at the research, there's a ton of research, and it's it's really interesting. Uh, go to that Aces Too High, um, you know, website, and then you can look at all the different research and all the statistics and all that stuff. If people like to look at all that kind of stuff, just to kind of see that there's there's it, this isn't just people kind of doing a feel good little quiz. There's a mm-hmm. lot, a lot, a lot of science behind it. So that's what I like mm-hmm. to see stuff and that's got science behind it. A nice backbone. Yeah, too. absolutely. <laughs> and and I would say that uh, I know this subject is uh, it's not the toughest thing to talk about, and I know mental health is a tough thing to talk about. But don't be afraid to utilize these tools um, and the things that we've talked about to put yourself in a better position to be a successful yes. adult um, and and maybe not have some of those chronic uh, issues with your health and things like that later, later, later on down mm-hmm. the road. Um, I mean, talking to Karen, I like your personality. I love Thank your personality. You. Um, and it's 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 been very helpful. And I mean, I've got more from this. Um than you know i probably could have imagined and the next thing that we're going to talk about we're going to jump into talking about social media and mental health of course we know today social media uh the use of social media is very high um and people we're we're locked to our phones we're married to our phones um we can't leave the house without them (laughs) uh if we leave without them we got to go back Mm -hmm. and get them uh most people don't even have landlines anymore Mm -hmm. um and the you know staying update with the newest and latest version of whatever phone it is that you have and buying it and you know mm-hmm. the phone is is very very big and so with social media you know of course we got Instagram mm-hmm. uh you got Facebook you got Snapchat Twitter the list goes mm-hmm. on um and we have all these platforms and of course we're checking them all the mm-hmm. time we're getting notifications all the time and so you stay locked into that and so this this portion is 
uh, I'll start the first question is, you know, how does social media consumption affect many individuals overall, if you could give up? So I think, I mean, you know, as adults, it's easy for us to kind of jump on our kids if you're on your phone too much or on your whatever, you know, Twitter, Instagram, Mm -hmm. Snapchat stuff too much. But I think we also have to look at ourselves because I'm really True. guilty of this. <laughs> Where I'm sitting there telling my kids <laughs> to get off their phone while I'm sitting there looking at my phone, scrolling through stuff. Um, mm-hmm. And and I have to set limits on myself. And I really hate setting limits on myself, but I have to because I mm-hmm. find myself getting way too tied up and looking at different. I mean, you can go down so many rabbit holes when you start looking at different you know, people post articles and people post things. I mean, I do find mm-hmm. it interesting, but then I can start reading that. And then there's another article to read or there's somebody, you know, different things going mm-hmm. on in the news. You want to read that stuff. And so I think first thing we have to do as adults is look at our own social media usage and how much we're using it and how often are we doing it. And if you've got on, you know, most of your phones on our phones, you can do the thing where it'll show you what your. How much your usage uh-huh. and stuff. Yeah, I really hate sometimes when that thing pops up because I'm like, oh my gosh, are you kidding me that I was yeah. on that that much? But I keep it on there because, I I mean, it'll show, you know, how much it's up this week or how much it's down and what, how many hours are on there a day. And I'm like, oh my God, like, that's mm-hmm. ridiculous. And I was look at it and think, that's that's insane. But I need that reminder sometimes, like, I'm I'm on this too much. And what, what do I need to be doing with my time instead, you know, sitting here on my phone? Mm-hmm. But then I think, you know, we also have to look at how is that affecting our kids. And, you know, there's there's a lot of research that's still coming out, you know, especially, you know, this is Suicide Prevention Month. And so people talk a lot about mm-hmm. mental health issues and how does social media impact our kids. And, I mean, I know as an adult, when I look at social media stuff, sometimes I even catch myself going, well, why is everybody I know on vacation right now? How's everybody I know on vacation? <laughs> right. I'm not on vacation. And then when right. I think about it, and I'm at work. Yeah, so I think, <laughs> I'm like, okay, that's like ten people. I know, you know, I know a whole lot more than ten people, but it feels like because when you're yeah. looking on there, everybody's at the beach or wherever mm-hmm. they are. And so, you know, when you have our our teenagers looking at it, and it feels like everybody's living these perfect lives. I mean, I can only mm-hmm. imagine because as an adult, I have to kind of fix my mindset sometimes to remind me, okay, that's not their real life. That's that's what people are posting because who posts, you know, the crappy stuff that's going on in yeah. your life? People don't post that stuff. Or they, yeah, or they uh, post, or they may save pictures from years and you think they're going somewhere all the time. Right, there, there you not. go. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Very, <laughs> posting the same pictures every summer or whatever. So, yeah, I mean, there's all kinds of things that 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 we're seeing that I mean it's not true life but as a teenager Mm -hmm. in a brain that's still developing that's still growing how how do you kind of differentiate that how do you figure out okay well that's not I mean like yeah they Mm -hmm. they may get to do some of this stuff but is is that their real life or they you know do they look this perfect mm-hmm. all the time? How many filters are they using on their pictures? Exactly. You know, um, yeah, I see pictures sometimes. And I'm like, okay, I just saw them two days ago. And <laughs> that picture does not match what I just saw yeah. two days ago. So, you know. Exactly. You know, and so that, and I- that perfect ideal life that they're seeing online, that's a, that's a hard thing to compare to when, 
you know, mm-hmm. teenage years can really stink and not be fun. And so if they're seeing all that stuff, that's hard. That's a hard thing for them to see. And, that, and that's the thing, too. Like, people with social media, you're able to display what you want Absolutely. people to see about your life. Absolutely. And so some people, uh, like I know, um, I had a situation uh, with a kid, teenage kid, was talking about another teenager mm-hmm. that had gotten a certain, a certain car. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think it was like a, I couldn't remember if it was a Camaro or a Challenger or something mm-hmm. like that. And uh, they were like, man, they got this new car, this and that, whatever. And I was looking, I was like, it's not even that. It's like their parents' car. But they're standing in front of it and making it seem like they just got it and their parents bought it for uh-huh. them and this, that, and the other. And then when they see each other at school, it's like, well, I don't even see what I mean, and that's what you say, <laughs> like differentiating between reality uh-huh. and this fantasy uh-huh. world. And I mean, even in fitness, I mean, we have a lot of guys and women uh that you know do steroids and things like that mm-hmm. or they put up this lavish lifestyle and everybody thinks that that's what that's the real them mm-hmm. and in reality it's not um i mean in the days of old we didn't have the broad communication uh you know which i was born in 90 so i'm not that old but <laughs> <laughs> i'm 29 but i was born in 1990 yeah. so i was between i consider myself being between the manual age and the digital gotcha. age, like the transition into what we are. And so uh, with social media, the, you know, it does have positives yeah. where you can reach more people, stay in contact with friends that maybe moved off or whatever and things like that. But then, you know, is there a such thing as too much social media consumption? Absolutely. I think, again, for not just our teens, but us, there's definitely too much. And so I think as parents – it's it's a hard it can be a hard line because let's face it sometimes your kid being occupied by their phone or whatever mm-hmm. is an easy thing to do but you know it, is it healthy for them um I, I i get really concerned when i go into restaurants and the whole table of people is you know they're sitting there on their phones and no one's even having a conversation because everybody's mm-hmm. checking their phone is that like a good way to truly you know communicate with people and learn how to mm-hmm. socialize and all those things I mean I think mm-hmm. those side, that side of it, it definitely does worry me um, there are sides of it that can be positive though there's ways that kids can connect and us as adults can connect that can be positive but as as the parents of these kids kind of teaching them early on responsible ways to do it you know technically mm-hmm. they're not supposed to be on snapchat Twitter, Instagram, any of that till they're 13. I got a 10 year old. That's a hard, I, the majority of her friends are on. <laughs> yeah. And, and, and they have phones yes. at five. Yes. <laughs> yes. <laughs> she cannot understand why I don't want, why I'm not getting her a phone at 10 years old. I'm like, just, yeah. you don't need a, what do you need a phone? Well, you're not getting a phone at 10 years old. But, yeah. <laughs> you know, she has friends who are on Snapchat and, and we have said, absolutely not, not happening. Um, and it's wild. Yeah, yeah, but there's 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 a lot of them that that are already doing that, and you know parents can say I'm monitoring and I'm watching it. You can't monitor and watch Snapchat. You you can't. <laughs> a, you can't. You know it's yeah, impossible. It's, you can't. And our kids who don't understand about the internet and um you know God some of the evil in the world. I mean my child's pretty naive because mm-hmm. she's ten and I want her to be naive. Um, they mm-hmm. understand about predators and sick yeah, people out like that. there. So mm-hmm. that's why she's not going to be on those things because she doesn't need to be because she's not ready for that kind of stuff. Um, 
Yeah, you know, for her. because it comes with another level of responsibility. Right. So, but I'm, I'm, I'm yeah, listening. So to you. for her, what we started out with is she will do like little group chats. She has an iPad that she uses at certain times, and she can do group chats with her friends. And we're always kind of somewhere around, and that's kind of her start into just you know. But it's not on a social media thing. But they're just kind of you know FaceTiming with each other and mm-hmm. stuff. And so that's her start in it. But um you know, being able to monitor and watch as she gets older. I mean, it's hard. It's hard. And it's hard to say mm-hmm. no, like you're not going to get, you know, an Instagram account and she's wanting to do TikTok. is this other new one that she's wanting to do. Mm-hmm. TikTok, mm-hmm. Yeah. So I asked my 19 year old, so tell me about TikTok. And he's like, mm, there's some stuff. <laughs> I don't know about TikTok. And he's like, yeah, mm, there's some songs and some dances on there that, yeah, she really doesn't need to be part of it. So I had yeah. to say, like, no, that's not, you know, you're not, that's not okay. Like, we're not going to do that. So I get to be the mean mom sometimes, but, you know, mm-hmm. sometimes it's just what I got to do. And, and I mean, social media is an open world and the content is filtered, but not yeah, really. Absolutely. Um, And, you know, they say be 18 or older, but I mean, I'm, I'm seeing, like you said, kids with Facebooks, kids okay. with Instagram accounts, yeah. Twitter, you know, everything like that. And, you know, with the rise of social media and gaming, you know, that's the, you know, that was the next question. How does it affect, uh, affect today's youth? Mm-hmm. And, you know, I know it causes more um, isolation, yeah. of course, uh, lower, um, a lower ability to, uh, to um, what's the word? a lowered ability to see social mm-hmm, cues, mm-hmm, yeah. um, not really being able to socialize, like yeah. you said, going out to dinner and not being able to talk. Yeah. And uh, think about the social inhibitions also, too. You know, you know how this is. People mm-hmm. online will say a whole lot more than they're going to say to someone. And then when you see them in person, yeah, yeah when you see them in person, it's yeah, nothing. Absolutely. <laughs> it's so, nothing at all. Yeah, and so do they understand how to filter that when someone says something really mm-hmm. mean or someone says something you know, snaps back on or, or whatever that would have never done it. Yeah, before. internet trolls versus something that's yeah, real. Yeah, yeah, because, you know, you got a lot of power when you're sitting behind the screen, but when you're doing it face-to-face, mm-hmm. not so much. But kids trying to filter, that's really hard. There's there's even a term, I don't, you may have heard it before, but there's, it's called Facebook depression that's kind of been mm-hmm. used that now I don't think kids, younger kids, I know, my 19 year old yeah. has nothing to do with Facebook, and my 15 year old has nothing to do with Facebook. They think it's like the old people thing, like that I do. But, yeah. um, but they still, it's just kind of the term they use that's it's it's talking about um, kids' use of social media and like the depression that can result from that. So, I think mm-hmm. as as parents, um, you know, it's just it's our job to stay on top of that. And again, it's kind of a pain, but my kids. Well, not my 19-year-old, but my, my 15-year-old knows. I mean, I, I'm not trying to get into his every conversation, but he knows, like, his phone is my phone. His phone's on his phone. Um, mm-hmm. if, if I want to look on his phone, I'm going to look on his phone. But I also don't set designated times because I'm not stupid that I'm going to say, like, I'm mm-hmm. going to look your your phone every <laughs> night before you go to bed. Well, of course he's going to know. Yeah, because it gives time to, yeah. <laughs> clean it all out. So at any moment, you know, we may look at, I may not look at it for a week. I may look at it two days in a row, uh, you know, but I can look at it at any point in time. Another thing I think that's really good is to kind of try to keep up with, you know, what are the latest 
the trends. trends. It was really cool. As, mm-hmm. as, and I thought it was really neat to happen today. My kid's principal sent out an email because he's really big on this. And he sent us an email that talked about the latest apps and what they all do and what they're all for. I hadn't heard. I mean, it was a list of 15. There were three on there mm-hmm. I'd never heard of. Um, and, and then it said kind of what they, what kind of what the danger could be in some of those. And so I think if you've got people that are dealing with parents and you can do that for parents, like if you're, you know, kind of more up on the social media stuff and you got parents who are willing to listen to that, like do that for your parents. Cause what a great mm-hmm. way, like I'm going to go through that list and look at them and I'm going to be looking at my kid's phone and just see, it doesn't mean he can't have any of those. But I just need to make sure kind of like some certain filters are on and things like that because some of them have locators on them and, you know, that Mm -hmm. kind of thing. And he probably doesn't know that. Like, he probably sincerely doesn't know some of those things that I need to cut off or change on some of the settings if he has some of those apps. So Mm -hmm. I think if if you're one of the, you know, techie people that can help some of your parents out, even if you're like a coach or you work with. You know, different parents like say to them like, "Hey, here's a list of some of these apps. You might want to look mm-hmm. and check your kid's phone and see if they're using them." And I think, and yeah, and I think that having uh, even having a limit on social yes. media time uh, is a great thing Absolutely. because kids do need to learn how to be social uh, with more than just their yes. hands. So yes, yes. you have to make eye contact. You <laughs> have to talk. You have to look at people, and you have to interact with people. Yeah, so, yeah. Uh, I know those those things are very important. And so um, I'm thinking, how can, you know, uh, you know, we talk about kids and we both we both have experiences with, mm-hmm. with kids. Um, how can kids be monitored to take care of themselves mentally? I, I know you kind of alluded to this point earlier mm-hmm. uh, to keep them in a healthy space mentally uh, with with the social media consumption as well as adults. Um, I know for adults, it's probably a little easier, yeah. you know, just just regulate self-regulate yourself uh, with with your social media use if you see that, that it's causing you to have mood mm-hmm. changes or causing you to to feel less about yourself um because like you said earlier none of us are gonna post when we're going through some no, crap but but we will post at uh-huh. times uh but how how can kids be what would what would your take be for the kids and adults for that so i definitely think that like setting some limits um setting some screen time limits setting some social media limits um you know there there are things you can put on their phone if you want to go that far and I, I think especially when they're getting started you need to that where you can see mm-hmm. you can see their text you can see their you know instagram posts you can see who's who's sending stuff to them um mm-hmm. my oldest when he had when he first started with instagram I started noticing because I was on Instagram with him or just kind of watching and he wasn't doing anything wrong, but I started seeing some posts that I thought, eh, that's a it was suggestive. It wasn't, you see, uh, I saw some patterns. And so then I started asking, yeah. like, wait, who is this person? Like, who is this? Oh, well, so-and-so knew so-and-so met them when they went on vacation. Mm-hmm. I'm like, you, do you know this person? Well, no, no. <laughs> so-and-so does. It was more about, you know, getting all the friends and getting all the likes and all that kind of stuff. Uh-huh. And I was like, no, no, no. Like, you're not, you're not going to be Instagram, you know, you're not going to be following these people that you don't know, like that you're not friends with, that you don't go to school with mm-hmm. or play sports with or whatever. We're not, we're not going down that path. So even just doing those little things, like kind of monitoring some of that, um, you know, but of course I have to, like, as he got older, I had to cut some of that loose and I had to gradually, let, mm-hmm. because he's going to have to learn to do it. I, 
I had another friend, well, another one of his friends whose parents didn't let their kid have, have a phone, um, a smartphone until he graduated high school. Now, I, I also know that that kid kind of went a little bit nuts after he got out, you know. Yeah, just went crazy. Yeah, because <laughs> if you've never had any access to it and then all of a sudden you've got full access to it. So I think mm-hmm. it's kind t- t- and I mean, I'm still learning this. I, it's still really hard for me, too, to find that balance of, yes, giving them some independence so that they can learn how to manage it, but also monitoring it and, you know, staying really heavy mm-hmm. on monitoring it up front and then gradually letting it go some as they get older. Because obviously, my 19-year-old, I don't see anything on his phone or look at his phone for anything. Mm-hmm. He's 19 years old. That's not my, that's not my place. Um, and I think. And I think you said something very important is they have like the drip uh, kind of uh, mentality yeah. going into it, like kind of like gradually letting mm-hmm. it happen and then uh, couch letting them go into it and not just uh, not just letting them get on social media and be a free for all. Yeah. Because uh, with social media, of course, you know, with AI and different tech companies, um, whatever you look at on Google, mm-hmm. uh, funny thing is they suggest it on your news feed. Absolutely. Or if you like watching a lot of funny videos, then you get on Facebook or something, and a lot of your friends that post funny videos, you'll just see their mm-hmm. post a lot. Uh, same thing with Instagram. If you go to the Discover part, um, you know, of course we know now that a lot of women, uh, not, not just women, but men as well, uh, are what you call instant models, mm-hmm. Instagram models, or things mm-hmm. like that, and so it's scantily clad mm-hmm. or <laughs> yeah. or very suggestive, and you have to monitor those things because kids are not meant to see it, and that stuff affects them if they do see it or oh, if yeah. that uh, if that veil is un un uh, is uncovered there's very no early. Mm-hmm. There's no taking it back. Yeah, because once it's just like toothpaste. Once yeah. it's out, that's, there's that's no it. Back like you can't. <laughs> You can't push it back in no matter how much you want to. So yeah. um, so you have to monitor those things. And, of course, um, you know, with uh, teenagers and especially teenage boys, stuff like that, of course, some stuff, you know, you just have to keep a watch yeah. on it. Um, and like you said, the older they get, you know, gradually just understanding and letting the rope go uh, until, you know, they reach adulthood. Yeah. But another thing, too, with watching these kids and monitoring their mental health, um, like you, another point that you made that was very good was that you know kids will be friends with other kids they have no clue who they are. Same thing with adults; we'll be friends with people that we don't even know who they are. Never had a conversation with them, anything like that. Yeah, you just look at them and say, "Oh, they're cool," mm-hmm. or "They're attractive," or "That looked funny," mm-hmm. or something like yeah. that, and you just become that person's friend. And then that's where we get into the age, uh, or to the conversation of popularity mm-hmm. uh probably well when i was in school it was like the popular kids these kids this that and the other i'm pretty sure it was the same mm-hmm. for you and now with social media that's just taking a place and so now your popularity is based on your numbers mm-hmm. so how many friends do you have how many yeah. followers do you have how many likes can you gather mm-hmm. uh things like that and it's not really the quality of a true friendship or uh really knowing these people or right. anything like that and so that's what creates this fantasy yeah. land and you know, cause you to veer off into whatever. And like you said, you can get on social media and go down a rabbit hole. Cause if I wanted to find 16 articles about uh sports training or whatever, yeah. if I looked at one, then I get five more suggestions. And right. by the time I look up, uh, you know, the big thing now is binging. Yes. Like we binge on Netflix. We can binge on articles. We can binge on anything. Yeah. And so it's, it's there at your hands. And so you can just, you know, whatever. And so you can easily overconsume mm-hmm. because of that. Um, 
you know, and and I and I guess the other question is, you know, how do we as, as a how do we as adults determine too much social consumption? And what are some alternatives to keep healthy boundaries on social media use? And so when I was thinking of this question, when I wrote it out mm-hmm. for you, I was thinking of it uh, from the standpoint of well, we talked about this again earlier, um, being at the dinner table and not even having not really having conversations about, you know, what happened at school today or how was your day or what's going on? You know, things like that, that I feel like was in the old family mm-hmm. atmosphere and not practice so much now because now it's not uncommon for kids to be locked in their room all day or eat in their Mm -hmm. room in their space and the family never really comes together and nobody really knows what you know what's going on with one another and so therefore the social cues and things like that are off because you really can't read them because you don't have a built relationship with your kids or your kids don't have one with the parent because the parent may be you know so how could how could you determine too much um, and what are some ways that you may be able to keep a healthy boundary mm-hmm. on that? So I think just knowing your kid and knowing your kid's ability to, you know, how, how are they handling day-to-day life? How are they handling school? And if you see, you know, changes in their personality, you see them becoming more withdrawn, you see big changes. I, I mean, Honestly, with my own daughter, just just with her doing the FaceTiming stuff, like just that, because that just started this summer, I had to put a limit on mm-hmm. it because I know I realized. I mean, there was one day there was like forty some odd back and forth contact between this group of girls. <laughs> oh, they're talking talk a lot, and I and, yeah. and then I realized I I mean I saw changes in her personality I saw her get a little bit more snippy I saw her get a little bit more Mm -hmm. just stuff where when I was having to limit some stuff and I was like "Mm, yeah we're gonna have to we're gonna have to put like curb some of this like I can't say you're gonna Mm -hmm. be able to be on here and you can FaceTime with your friends and it'll all be fine I had to put a limit on it because it what it was affecting her and that's just that Mm -hmm. I mean that's not even social media so when you see some changes in your kid's personality like you know, look at what's going on around them and, and see if, you know, that could be, and, and just, I mean, like you said, spending time at dinner together, it seems like it's so simple, but how many people really mm-hmm. do that? How many people sit down at the dinner table and put their phones up? My, again, there's plenty of things I mess up on, but my kids, we're eating dinner. Um, yeah. All right, say it, say oh, it one on. more time. Did it come back? I'm sorry. Um, but my kids know we're, you're not going to bring, bring your phone out when we're having dinner. Like, you need to put that up. Um, so find the times that you and your family can spend together where phones are up. Or if it's, you know, even setting um, a day that y'all put your phones aside. Or if it's even if, if you can't go that far. If mm-hmm. you can, if it's like, okay, from on you know maybe you can't do it every day but you come in and you're like you know we're gonna everyone's gonna put their phones up put them in a basket from like seven to nine and and do that and you'd yeah. be surprised like that's really hard to do or it is for me at least it's really exactly. hard to do but that exactly. should tell us something like if it's that hard for us to put our phones up for like a couple of hours then we're all being a little bit like i that that's for myself like i realize and, I, i'm too dependent on this phone yeah 
And I was gonna say, and even like, even like you said, like just limiting mm-hmm. stuff, uh, because like seeing the behavioral changes in your child, and like even with boys, I know they like playing mm-hmm. video games, but the thing is, if you want to see if they really have an attention span, make them turn the video mm-hmm. game off and put the phone up, and I guarantee you they'll yeah. sleep. Yeah, uh-huh. because the attention span is, is yeah. lower, the creativity mm-hmm. is lower, and so. They get bored a lot yeah. quicker. Like it's like I'm like the first thing they'll say is yeah. like I have yeah. nothing to do. Oh yeah. Uh and so I mean, even with now, like now like nowadays, kids don't really watch TV Mm-mm. as much. Um it's more it's like you watch TV, but it's more so like Netflix and mm-hmm. stuff like that, or Hulu and Hulu all that too. sling TV yeah. and all that stuff. Yeah, and so it's not really like just watching TV. So even that's boring. Yeah. So it's like just think about it. How many I'm of them just, even watch like an out you know, like when we used to watch like hour long shows. I don't know. I mean, they might watch a movie or something, but most of them are watching quick clips. They're like, you know, yeah, and even, clips and stuff. Yeah, five mm-hmm. minutes, five, ten yep. minutes. And they're swiping minute. and moving on to the and, next uh, one because that's the attention e- span that they've got for this kind of stuff. Yep. Mm-hmm. And even even with it, like, um, you know, if they do choose to watch something for an hour or watch a show, like they're binging it within a week. And so yeah. is it. Yeah, <laughs> and it's like, all done. Like, it's, it's no patience. Yeah. Like, it's like, all right, I'm done. That's it. I've already yeah. watched it. They don't know the uh, joys next. of having to wait for the next week for the next thing <laughs> yeah, to come like, out. Yeah, <laughs> like you just uh-uh. have to. You have to. You don't have to practice patience. No, just you don't and wait so, for anything. And I think this, if parents, you know, realizing when when you're handing the two year old your phone, I get it. Mm-hmm. Everyone has those moments where you're in the grocery store and kids start screaming or whatever, and you just need a little bit of a distraction for a minute. But like, how often are you giving that to them? Because Mm-hmm. Their brains, oh my gosh, birth to three, their brains, that is, those are such, such, such important years. And if their brains are being trained to be constantly entertained by something moving in front of them, you're setting them up to be. As dopamine mm-hmm. overload. Yeah. So if, you know, if we just try our best to, to look at the content that they're looking at and to to watch their phones, um, look for those new apps. Cause I'm just telling you, I mean, this, like I said, our mm-hmm. principal sent that out. He sent one back in the fall of, this is, this is a different set. Like they're mm-hmm. always changing. So I can't just sit there and think, Oh, Snapchat. Well, Snapchat, I mean, yeah, it's what they, they like to use that, but that's going to get old real quick and they're going to move uh-huh. on to the next thing. But I, I don't necessarily keep up with all of the new things for myself, but I have to do it for my kids. So, you know, staying on top of what those new things are. So whatever that source is that you can find. Um, and there were a couple of good sources that I had seen um, that might be ways for parents to look if they're not sure where to go to look for sources. Mm-hmm. So there's one called um, Common Sense Media, and you can look on that one. There's another one called Connect Safely, and then there's another one called Safe Teens. And you can look on those websites, and then those any of those three can just be good guides of, like, how to help your teens with social media because I'm just telling you, like, you can't just cut them mm-hmm. loose with this stuff. It's just – there's – so and and, and if you true. talk to my you talk, like when I've I've I'm pretty good friends with the youth youth pastor at my church and he's told me you know we think about the content they're getting into but he's told me the number one thing and I've heard this from multiple people that, that deal with teens on a regular basis 
is is porn addiction. So, mm-hmm. you know, if if we're not trying to monitor and watch that, I mean, and that's and it's not just boys. I mean, that's that's boys and girls with the porn addiction stuff. Mm-hmm. It's both. It goes across yeah. the board. Yeah. And so, if you're thinking like just the access that they have and the instant access to it, I mean, it's it's hard to even really blame them that that that's that that's what they're gonna. I mean, it's yeah. I mean, they're hormonal. And, and even like even yeah. yeah, and even when you, I mean, yeah, the teenage years, your hormones yeah. are all over yeah. the place. Yeah. <laughs> so and not understanding I mean, what's even, re- what's reality and what's not i mean let's face it what they're mm-hmm. seeing typically on the porn sites and stuff is not reality but that's setting them up to think that's reality a false rea- mm-hmm. yeah mm-hmm. so there's and even yeah i'm listening i'm just saying there's just all kinds of negativity with that like if they see all these different mm-hmm. kind of you know they get these expectations of what they're seeing on porn body sites image issues stuff. yeah mm-hmm. and, or, or what they even are expecting their girlfriend or boyfriends to do or what they're expecting mm-hmm. you know their sex life to be when they're all, you know, like the, those things are not reality, but when all you know is what you're seeing on the internet, it, it creates your reality yeah, for later. Absolutely. Which you set yourself up for, uh, for disappointment yeah. and you set yourself up to be depressed and yeah. things like that, because that's not, that's not right. Reality. And so, you know, you think about things like even with the phones and stuff, like when you give a kid a phone, I mean, even these phones now, like you have a, uh, if you go to your Safari on your phone, you have the regular mm-hmm. screen, like the regular thing. Then it has like the private mm-hmm. thing, which is like the incognito window or whatever mm-hmm. it is. And, you know, you can go to that and it doesn't save anything. It doesn't do this, that, and the other. Mm-hmm. And so kids aren't crazy. Oh, no. Like they'll show you yeah. what you want to see. Absolutely. But you don't you won't know everything. Yeah. And so, um, and so that brings like to the last uh-huh. question: um, Is social media, um, or this game and swipe culture, gaming culture, mm-hmm. things like that, is it causing more depression, anxiety, and loneliness uh, with us being able to connect to the world more easily and spending less time face to face? You know, how's that affecting our society? Um, yeah, most of the research is showing that it, it definitely can cause those things. So it's it's again about mm-hmm. showing our kids how to do it responsibly. It, it, it is there. It's out there. It's part of the world. Like they're going to have to learn how to navigate it because it just is. I mean, you're, you're not going to mm-hmm. function in our society where we are today without knowing how to use the internet and how to, you know, navigate all of those things and being able to understand mm-hmm. how to do it safely. So, but teaching them, the responsible ways to do it. And so that, I mean, that, that is a huge part of our job as the adults or, or mentors or whoever it is working with them. And I know God, teachers mm-hmm. and coaches get all this stuff thrown at them. Cause you know, and I'm sure they feel like I'm not this kid's parent. I, I shouldn't have to do this. <laughs> yeah. I know that. And I get that. Like I, you know, I understand, but then sometimes like if you're all they got, there's some, I mean, you know, you can't grab a kid's phone. That's not your kid and mm-hmm. like go through their stuff. But, you might talk about like, you know, like, Hey, well, tell me like, what is it, like, what are some of the apps that you like to use? Like, tell me a little bit about them and tell me, you know, and have conversations with yeah, about having, them. Having a healthy yeah. conversation. That was exactly yeah, what I Not say, necessarily yeah. lecturing. I'm just talking to him about it. Like, how do you use it? And show like, you can't like, show me like, I've, I've never heard of that one. Like, let me see. Do you mind if you can show mm-hmm. me it on my phone and you can show me how to use it? Like, I'm curious. I want to know like, what's the newest thing and and letting them walk you through mm-hmm. it and then if you see things that are red flags like that the location thing is on that you know they could be you might be able to say oh oh you know what this is like i could see how this could be a really fun app but mm-hmm. you might need to know like whoever you're talking like they can see 
where you are. Where you are. So you know, mm-hmm. let me show you. If you don't really like, anyway, they shouldn't know. Most kids know. Like, let me show you. Make sure make sure your location stuff is turned off so that they're not seeing where you are. And because it could be a danger, oh gosh, like you yeah. said, with predators and stuff Absolutely. like that. Like you never know who you're talking Absolutely. to. Absolutely. So you know, just kind of teaching them as best you can what some of those things are, and and working with them that way. And again, I know they have teachers and coaches and all the different people that work with our kids in different clubs and stuff like that. Like they've got mm-hmm. so much on them, but unfortunately sometimes we're all we, they've got. So if that's the case, then that's just some of those extra responsibilities that we need to try to take mm-hmm. on if we can with our kids. So Karen, oh, look, I know I'll talk it's to you. Okay. Head I've I loved it. For, for forever. Okay. Uh, I've loved having you on this, on this podcast. I mean, you have a great personality, a very, very um very knowledgeable person i don't think i asked how many years of practice do you have with with counseling and things uh, like so i started at the psychiatric hospital at vandy right after i got out of call my under when i, when I got done with my undergrad and that was 93 so i've been doing some former fashion since 93 yeah so pretty good while plenty, yeah. plenty. <laughs> um and i i've enjoyed Thank having you, you on this podcast i mean it's it's been very the you know I discuss everything from sports training, like when I emailed you and things yeah. like that. It's everything from sports training to mental mm-hmm. health to just overall health and health in general uh, encompasses it so does. much from spiritual to emotional to to uh, uh, mental, uh, physical, mm-hmm. everything uh, is all wrapped into that bubble. And so these are the conversations that we have to have, not just as parents, not just as coaches, not just as kids, uh, athlete, non-athlete whatever these are the conversations that we have to have these are the tough conversations and these are also the conversations that uh help us to look into the mirror and examine ourselves mm-hmm. uh, because none of us are perfect uh, but we do have to take time to examine ourselves and see where we are and what we could how could how we could better ourselves because because in life we're we are forever students yes. we're forever learning something we're forever um trying to get better and things like that and so I appreciated having you on this podcast. I mean, I know um, I was a random dude I, asking, "Could I'm you jump on?" I'm happy to do it. I've, I've enjoyed but, it, but I uh, I thoroughly enjoyed Thank having you, you so uh, for for Thank sure. You. The mm-hmm. last question I'm going to ask you um, is if you could leave us with one or more mental health tips to put into practice for our daily lives, what would it be? Mm. So I I think well I'm trying to do this in a long too wordy thing I think for at least this is for myself I I think sometimes you know we we want to see the positives and the goods and that, and we need to do that we need to like and see mm-hmm. see the good in ourselves but when we see ourselves going down a negative path you know watching too much social media not mm-hmm. not watching what we eat as much as we should or not exercising as much as we should or those things that we I think one of the best things we can do is kind of look at ourselves and just make it a priority to look at ourselves and like what are we doing right what are we doing good because we always need to Mm -hmm. know like the good the good stuff that we're doing we're all doing good stuff but what are the things that I can improve on and how can I meet those goals we've all you know obviously we've all got plenty of things we could improve on and so I think for our own mental health we just have to kind of look at that and examine ourselves and know what are the areas that we have that are weak what are the areas that we have that are strong um I know for myself when I've catch myself you know and I haven't worked out in 
you know, four or five days. Like, okay, I can feel it mm-hmm. and it, it affects my mental health. And, or if I'm not eating mm-hmm. my best or if, you know, things like that, like, what do I need? Like, I got to get it back. Like I've actually got to put it on my calendar. I've got to schedule that stuff. Mm-hmm. What do I need to do to keep myself being the best person I can be? And then in turn, kind of teaching our, our kids that, because that's a, that's a, that's a hard skill to do that, to self-evaluate. Mm-hmm. Um, and so teaching our kids how to do that, how to, you know, improve ourselves while not putting ourselves down, but like, what can we do to be better? We can always strive to be better. So I think that's one of the things that's probably about the best way we can do that. And then being willing to say if something's outside of your realm of what you can do to help yourself. If you need to seek counseling, mm-hmm. if you need some other kind of service, if you need to go talk to someone about some type of addiction issue that's going on or whatever it may be, like be willing to accept that help. Um, and that's mm-hmm. not always easy for, I, I know I'm not one to ask for help. So like for me, that's, that's a hard thing mm-hmm. to do, but you know, be willing to, to, to do that. I think it's important too. I can, I'll say those are, those are great tips and I completely understand it because it does take a lot to yeah. ask for help. Um, but, um, as I tell you guys each and every day, make sure you get 1% better each and every day. Rome wasn't built in a day. You can't build a house in a day. Um, you have to build it brick by brick, but you also have to lay a solid foundation. Um, and so do the things that legends do, uh, create your own path, go the road that's less traveled and be legendary.